Welcome, this is Michael Volkoff, and this is episode 147 of Corruption, Crime, and Compliance. Our episode today is about uh, the Justice Department's revised compliance guidance in the refocus on merger and acquisition risks. Hello, everyone. Thanks for joining me today, Corruption, Crime, and Compliance. Hope you guys or everybody's doing well uh, and uh, staying healthy and safe. It's still a turbulent time. And uh, hopefully uh, things will get better. Uh, And I hope uh, work is continuing. And uh, we're always here to help if you need anything. Uh, It's M. Volkoff at Volkoff Law. But before we get started, here's a word from our sponsor, Steel Compliance Solutions. Steel Compliance is the global leader in compliance and ethics management. Steel's compliance and ethics platform is comprehensive, robust, and easy to use to promote a company's culture of compliance. Steel partners with the world's largest, most respected companies to deliver compliance products and services that help organizations embrace a culture of compliance while protecting their brand. Building an ethical culture is a complex undertaking that requires a detailed understanding of the global compliance environment, considerable time, and specialized expertise. Steel's end-to-end ethics and compliance platform is designed to provide compliance officers with the solutions they need to proactively address changing regulatory and reputational risks. Steel's ethics and compliance automated platform offers critical functions designed to promote a speak-up culture to advance employee engagement, reporting, and incident management, investigate promptly and fairly potential incidents to ensure compliance with your organization's code of conduct and applicable laws and regulations, including anti-corruption, anti-money laundering, antitrust, sanctions, cybersecurity, and data privacy. Manage your organization's compliance policies and procedures to ensure that policies are updated and disseminated effectively so that employees understand your organization's compliance requirements, Educate and engage your organization to promote understanding in how your compliance program applies to day-to-day operations. And evaluate and monitor your organization's business partners, vendors, suppliers, and customers to mitigate risk and ensure adherence to your organization's ethics and compliance requirements. To learn more about Steel's compliance solutions, please contact us at email steelglobal.com or call 415-692-5000. Well, I thought I'd turn to uh, one of the issues highlighted in the revised guidance that came out from the Justice Department with regard to evaluation of corporate compliance programs was um, some additional language on the refocus uh, of mergers and acquisitions uh, in the risks and mitigation steps and the expectations. Uh, And this is a little bit of a rehash in the sense that I've been Um, trying to emphasize to folks the importance of uh, not just pre-acquisition due diligence, but post-acquisition integration planning. 
and the Justice Department's recent revisions to the evaluation of corporate compliance programs highlights uh, this important trend and evolution, I think, in uh, the prosecutor's focus. Uh, DOJ's uh, revised corporate compliance guidance recognized and reinforced the continuing focus of what I've been trying to emphasize, which is post-acquisition integration uh, and versus pre-acquisition due diligence. I'm not saying you don't do pre-acquisition due diligence, but what I'm saying is the emphasis should be tilted more towards post-acquisition um, integration and in particular conducting audits because you're not going to get the access to the information pre-acquisition um, to really do a deeper dive audit uh, based upon the risks. So, and for years, DOJ and compliance professionals placed the emphasis on pre-acquisition due di diligence, and that balance has been adjusted, I would say, slowly but surely over the last 10 years to uh, raise the importance of post-acquisition integration planning and implementation. So let's go first to the section entitled in the revised guidance and uh, where you have a marked copy of it. Uh, but the first section of mergers and acquisitions, the DOJ revised the first sentence uh, to add a part, which I'm going to just read here. The first sentence right now says, a well-designed compliance program should include comprehensive due diligence of any acquisition targets. And then there was... Uh, language uh, that went on there, but it was the new language says, comma, as well as a process for timely and orderly integration of the acquired entity into existing compliance program structures and internal controls. Let me read that again, because that's really important. As well as a process for timely and orderly integration of the acquired entity into existing compliance program structures and internal controls. So what does DOJ expect and what do they mean with regard to timely and orderly integration? And we'll get into that in a little bit more. So companies that rely on acquisitions to grow have to develop comprehensive policies, procedures, and controls to ensure not just your pre-acquisition due diligence, but uh, more importantly, post-acquisition integration of the acquired entity. And companies that ignore this requirement will suffer significant risks um, from, you know, that arise from the independent operation of the acquired companies. I've seen situations where companies were acquired, never integrated back into the home company or the acquiring company, uh, and that raises all types of risks. Uh, the integration process involves several important steps and has to include risk-based post-acquisition audits to follow up on risks identified prior to the closing and immediately thereafter. So how did DOJ get to this point? I mean, it's I mean this shows my age here, but like uh, back in 2008, uh, there was what was called the Halliburton Opinion Letter, uh, number 0802, just for those uh, keeping score. And Halliburton sought uh, DOJ's advice because there were legal bars against pre-acquisition due diligence uh, information uh, that Halliburton was barred from getting uh, about a potential target company. And so then DOJ adopted a strict policy regarding post-acquisition liability for target company misconduct. So the old thinking was that the moment that the uh, closing occurs, you're on the hook and you're liable for any misconduct that occurs. 
and you may be liable for misconduct that occurred previously because of successor liability principles. So this strict policy eventually became unworkable. I think people started to uh, press DOJ and uh, the prosecutors and the SEC and say, this is unworkable. You can't make us liable day one. Uh, and it created significant risks for post-acquisition prosecutions uh, for target company misconduct. So the first break in this policy, uh, it started through the FCPA guidance that was implemented the first guidance, which was implemented in November 2012, and in uh, enforcement actions, Johnson & Johnson, DSNS, uh, and some others. And DOJ started to refocus its enforcement priorities. They had to realize that this was unworkable, and they came up with uh, one uh, solution, I think, and it's sort of grown, evolved from there. The FCPA guidance instructed companies, one, to conduct robust pre-acquisition due diligence, two, to apply the acquiring company's code of conduct and compliance policies as soon as possible. In other words, bring them in under the code of conduct as soon as you can and uh, make them subject to your compliance policies. Three, train the directors, officers, and employees of the newly acquired companies as well as agents and business partners where feasible. The where feasible language is important there. Four, conduct an FCPA audit of the acquired entity as quickly as possible. And five, disclose any potential violations to DOJ and the SEC that were discovered during the due diligence and post-acquisition audit. Obviously, that's a, a calculation that uh, I think is a closer call than it used to be. In subsequent enforcement actions, DOJ and the SEC included specific provisions requiring post-acquisition tasks to be completed within 12 months. So training and application of compliance policies should be done within 12 months of the closing and 18 months for completing a post-acquisition FCPA audit. And so this was the policy that started in 2012. There was still wrangling going over on whether or not this would lead to a declination or not if you followed all of this but they tried to say it as close as they could, but it wasn't really until the FCPA corporate enforcement policy came out in 2017 and then 2018. Um, it was uh, expanded to include mergers and acquisitions. In other words, that a, an acquiring company could earn a presumption of a declination to encourage uh, strong compliance companies to take over problematic companies to implement strong compliance programs. So an acquiring company uh, in a merger and acquisition context would have to cooperate fully, voluntarily disclose, uh, remediate the conditions that, let, that uh, if there are any violations that give rise to the misconduct and disgorge any ill-gotten profits, and then they would get a declination. So that was where we are in 2018. And I think what the push has been over the years is Let's focus on post-acquisition uh, integration. We have 12 months for certain parts and 18 months for certain parts of our, the requirements that we have to meet. So now companies that rely on mergers and acquisitions for growth have to build robust, in my mind, post-acquisition integration policies and controls. And what's important here is it's not just a requirement that applies for just ethics and compliance. What I've seen are clients that 
engage an overall business operation integration plan that can be large but critical for the bringing on of the new company and making it as smooth as it can be in terms of the overall transition because obviously it's not ethics and compliance doesn't drive the world but it's one seat at the table and so successful companies i've seen employ a robust pre-acquisition planning process incorporating ethics and compliance as one of many parts of the overall integration process. So compliance officers have to participate in the integration process, they have their own tasks, and they can use the opportunity to develop important relationships with compliance personnel at the target company as well as executives and officers and, and uh, managers. And compliance, uh, by engaging in a comprehensive integration process, the compliance officer can identify issues early in the process, work closely with the business to understand their operations, and form important strategies and buy-ins for compliance issues. From the business perspective, here are some of the issues that I've seen or the structures that I've seen. Companies establish a framework that starts with an integration committee consisting of representatives for all key functions regularly scheduled meetings at least once a week with tasks and reporting requirements, project planning with timelines, specific task assignments, and you know reporting up to senior management, uh, identification of basic topics to ensure that there's a smooth transition. And a senior manager has to be assigned to lead the integration committee and report directly on a periodic basis to the company's senior leadership team. And global companies face a long list of topic areas. Some examples include uh, implementing compatible ERP systems, ensuring timely uh, integration of communication systems, email systems, uh, telephone systems, uh, making sure that people can connect to each other, uh, human resource control over executive managers and employees. So you bring in all of these, uh, all of these folks. Uh, physical facilities and inventory, you know, you taking an inventory of what you have, staffing assessments, streamlining of operations and a functional analysis, financial operations planning and modification to reconcile accounting controls, invoice to payment processes, authorizations, matrices or matrix if you have one or more, depending upon the company and the operations. Your ethics and compliance program is, you know, one of several topics and your health, safety and environmental requirements. So digging into the ethics and compliance functions, a chief compliance officer has to develop a comprehensive plan to integrate new managers and employees, third parties and critical compliance functions. And the basic list of tasks, uh, which is building on what DOJ has been and the SEC have been pushing is the uh, chief compliance officer has to ensure that its code of conduct, compliance policies, and procedures are applied, quote, as quickly as is practicable, close quote, to the acquired business operations. This requires prompt integration of the acquired company into the acquiring company's intranet portal and other ethics and compliance resources. Compliance training. Uh, the CCO has to prioritize ethics and compliance training of the acquired company's directors, officers, and employees. One suggestion, in-person training of new employees is very effective and helps to reduce uh, employee anxiety. They see a face from the new company. 
over and they get some reassurance about what the anticipated changes are going to be. Depending on the acquired company's risk profile, the, uh, the acquired company should consider training of third-party business partners and third-party uh, representatives. Such training, all of this training, should focus on the FCPA and other anti-corruption laws, the company's code of conduct and compliance policies and procedures. You know, due diligence, gifts, meals, entertainment, things like that. In many cases, senior executives can play a critical role in emphasizing at this point in the transition process what the culture is of the acquiring company. In other words, that they place an importance on ethics and compliance uh, and they reinforce that message in the transition process. This is a great opportunity to make it clear to everybody that this is something that you believe in and that this is something that the company uh, places a high priority on. And employees at the acquired company are often anxious or excited about the new ownership. And CCOs should recognize uh, quickly what concerns uh, are rising or what, what concerns are uh, becoming significant from the perspective of the new employees. And CCOs can absolutely build on their meetings, in-person meetings, to reassure the new company employees and develop uh, open lines of communication to address their concerns. So the last topic is with regard to FCPA audits and or anti-corruption audits, but based on the pre-acquisition due diligence and post-acquisition risk assessment, the chief compliance officer should act as quickly as practicable, that's in quotes, to conduct an in-depth and robust internal FCPA audit of the acquired company's operations. Now, this is not just an audit of everything. It's a risk-based audit. So, for example, if the company has operations in China uh, and this is a high-risk market in China, then that obviously is a good candidate for the audit. In essence, the FCPA audit should include deep dives into issues and operations that may have been identified during the pre-acquisition due diligence. That'll give you some insight and some ideas for planning. Whether if it can be conducted internally by uh, compliance, internal audit, or by external attorneys, which we've done, and forensic accountants with whom we've worked, the audit has to be detailed and involve a broad review of uh, high-risk activity in the past or on an ongoing basis. And this review is critical. If the company does not uncover any illegal conduct, the acquiring company will then bear the risk of liability if it's discovered after the post-acquisition audit. Moreover, the company's ability to secure a declination in such circumstances may diminish. In other words, you get one bite at the apple. Once, let's say it's you're done 18 months after the closing, uh, and then it turns out that you missed a bunch of activity that was illegal ongoing prior to the acquisition and after the acquisition, then that can raise real serious liability issues for you. Uh, and you'd have to eventually demonstrate that you made a good faith effort to find this activity and the reasons why you didn't find it. So this is, can become problematic. The audits have to be done thoroughly. Um, and you want to I'm not saying that you boil the ocean on every one of these, but you do want to use a risk-based approach and dig down in the high-risk activities. Um, but don't boil the, uh, boil the ocean on sort of mid-level or lower-level risks. That uh, is hard to justify in that circumstance. 
Okay, well, uh, I just wanted to do that quick review, just bring us back uh, and tie it to the revised guidance. Um, there also is a whole nother area that we eventually will talk about, which is uh, sanctions compliance in the post-acquisition context as well, because we've seen a lot of sanctions cases, and we'll circle back with that as well. Anyway, so uh, hang in there, everyone. Stay safe, stay healthy, and uh, stay in touch. Thanks again for listening to Corruption, Crime, and Compliance. Please subscribe to the podcast series. The Volkov Law Group believes that every company should have a robust ethics and compliance program. Experience and research show that ethical companies are better performers in the global marketplace. You can learn more about the legal and compliance services we offer at our website, www.volkovlaw.com. You can also follow our award-winning blog, Corruption, Crime, and Compliance, and our podcast series. You can contact Michael Volkov at his email address, mvolkov at volkovlaw.com. Take